we put some wire and tried to secure that part of the suspension with uh, with actually the telephone wire which uh, tripped me the day before um and um yeah then we had to make plans on how to get out of the hell just as we arrive in the hell deep inside the Khamkas Kloof Joe's BMW GS somehow gets tangled up in an old copper telephone wire he falls and breaks his clutch lever the Khamkas Kloof telephone service has been down for more than six years how do we get Joe and his bike out of DL Yeah, and apparently there were some other bikers there. We never bumped into them, but the, that lady there said that they also reckoned the best option would be just to try and ride it out without a clutch. I mean, other options would have been to maybe phone somebody in Otsuan and, and, and come in with a recovery vehicle, but that was apparently going to cost about six or 8,000 rand and probably take a day or two and then still more time to try and get the bike repaired. We were trying to think of other options. Seeing that it was a public road, we thought that perhaps those roadside assistants would get the bike out of there. Um, but again, I'm sure that would have taken two or three days until it eventually got out. Or we could have gone out, uh, Joe could have gone in Hager's car, hired a bucky in Otsu and driven back. But again, that would have taken ages. So eventually we just decided, no, uh, Joe should try and ride out of there without a clutch, which is what the other riders had also recommended. Um, the, the day before, he had done that short two-kilometer stretch, so we, we, we did the same. You know, it was another 8Ks or so at the bottom of the valley where it was flat, um, you know, not steep. It was just a flat part before you get to that really steep part. So we suggested that Joe rides that, tries and change the gear a few times which you you can change a gear on a motorbike or any vehicle actually if you just have the revs right you will get it in and you'll get used to it you know when to do it and so on it's just the most difficult part is to actually get going especially if you're not on a downhill if you're on a downhill you can let the bike or even a car roll and then um, roll start it or put it into gear as it's rolling and whatever um so we pushed him along a little bit because it was flat there. I think you went into first gear and then off you went. I think you probably changed gear a few times. Yeah, it was uh, in the beginning, obviously, it was nerve wracking. You think you're going to totally wreck your um, gearbox. Um, but as uh, Hermann said, you need to get the revs right and then um, you can force it into it's not a smooth uh, transition, but you can force it into, in, in, into another gear. Um, but that you can do when it's uh, straight and level uh, or if you go downhill, obviously. But now we had this ascent uh, in front of us uh, going out of the hell and that was a bit daunting. Yeah, I mean, I think Joe did in incredibly well there. I mean, we were at the bottom. I think you were, you were a bit worried that morning that we weren't going to get out of there at, at all in the way we had suggested. But uh, I think we probably encouraged you and um, then when we got to the end of that flat part where the, the steep and windy bit started, I think you, 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 it didn't take a lot of time. You just decided, well, this is it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go. I mean, I, 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 me not being a very religious or church-going person still said, 
Should we do a little prayer? But I, I don't think he even heard that he was off already. <laughs> and the next place we saw him was at the top of that very windy bit where, where there was the first downhill. That is where we stopped for the first time because uh, he knew that from there it would be easy to start again. So fortunately, uh, it seemed that went quite well. I don't know what your experience was like in the saddle. Maybe some of those corners were uh, they very were. tight. <laughs> they were, you know, they they are tight when you know you 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 may not stop now because uh, to have the other two guys try to push me uh, uphill that would have been a mission because you can't go downhill because you've got to turn at some point in time. So that that, that was kind of an added pressure. But um, as you do it, you get. Uh, I, I got more confident, and definitely in the beginning, the guys uh, giving me some encouragement actually made me do it. And uh, that's a nice thing about traveling as a group. You know, you you're not just uh, dependent on your own feelings and your own motivation, but you do this thing together, and you've got others to you know encourage you and pick you up. And um, that was a great experience for me as well. And obviously then reaching the top of that ascent was was a big relief because then by then I knew, okay, um, I'm going to get to Otsuan and uh, the delay might not be too bad, not not many days. Yeah, I mean, the, the ride out, for me at least, and I think for Holger and I think probably even for you, was even enjoyable, wasn't it? Mm. <laughs> Yes, I mean, we, we did, uh, there were quite a few cars coming from the front, um, but luckily Joe was always in a place where they could pass each other, because the road is quite narrow, but they could pass each other without Joe having to stop. I mean, they probably thought he was very rude, because normally <laughs> in places like that you would stop and have a little chat or wave or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but they obviously didn't know the, the circumstances that we were in there. Uh, but we managed to get out great. And then uh, at the end of the road where the road to Hamkaskurf meets Swartberg Pass again, we obviously had to stop because we were on a Baines Pass again. So uh, we had a little sip of uh, whiskey there. We had uh, our usual ritual and uh, very relieved by that time. And um, yeah, then went down the Swartberg Pass on the pass on the other side with beautiful views direction out soon. And that's where I wished that I was on a bicycle. <laughs> because that would have been really nice going down there on the mountain bike. Mm. And uh, I think we'd sent, posted some pictures on, on social media and uh, one of our friends had posted that or messaged us and said that he'd actually ridden into DL with his mountain bike. And that, that takes some doing, I think. Yeah, he rode up from Prince Albert, I think, up that pass and then into the hill. I don't know if you rode back again. Probably, Probably only one way. <laughs> Generally, I assume it's a one-way ticket to the hill. We were lucky to get out. <laughs> yes. yeah. In Otsun, we we had very good service from Jay's, JJ. Um, the bikes, yeah. Yeah, he looked at, the, at Joe's bike and ordered the spare parts. Had to make a lot of phone calls. But it gave us some time to... We actually went back to Mering Sport and Durrist. We had lunch in Durrist and then stayed with Mayer's Rist. And uh, that was really an awesome spot. Um, very good sundowner spot on top of the mountains above uh, Meringsport, I would imagine. You could hear the trucks going through Meringsport, but you couldn't see them. Yeah, they had lovely little cottages there. Very reasonably priced, I must say. And it was nice to be on a farm. Beautiful cattle they had there as well. And as Holger said, that uh, sundowner spot was also really nice going up. I think 
it was nearly a four by four track that one <laughs> Tolga took us up uh, with his Toyota and um, yeah we had a nice sundown on top yeah I mean those people there were also kind enough to do a load of washing for us we were now just over halfway through our trip and I think um, you know being a, a bike rider you or you don't pack too much you know you try and pack the bare minimum uh, so I, do, I would have definitely run out so it was good that we could could uh, wash get some clothes washed there um, I mean with me on previous trips as well I always ran short and then I thought oh no I don't feel like washing clothes so I just ended up buying more socks at pep stores <laughs> which I did again at the end of this trip only to find out when I got home that I still had some clean socks in oh, one no. of my shoes <laughs> Yeah, and um, the next morning we went back into Madingsport just for a bit of stretching our limbs and then… We did a nice walk to the waterfall up yeah. in Madingsport and there there was also quite an interesting information center again on the construction of that Madingsport and the geology of the whole area. Um, yeah, definitely to be recommended, yeah. Which we probably would have missed if we didn't have a, a broken motorbike. Um <laughs> Jay didn't. JJ didn't uh, let us down. The bike was ready by twelve o'clock, and then we we could go off onto, I guess, the finale, which was Bavianspurt. Yes, but not before we went to the butchery again. <laughs> <laughs> the butchery and the bottle store we visited in Oldswan. So, yeah, we went to Badenhorst Butchery on recommendation from JJ. I didn't want to go to one of the supermarkets. And uh, we we got some really really good ribs. Yeah, I mean that that meat was amazing. Also, I mean considering where this place was, I mean Holger led us into an area there. I thought, where are we going now? <laughs> but uh, that butchery is obviously well known <laughs> for its products. And as we figured out, the meat or lamb at least is half the price that it is here in Kloof. Yeah, and it was really good. Yes, now we were all excited. Uh, I was very relieved that my bike was actually fixed, uh, that the couriers got the part in time to Kurbus from JJ Bikes and um, that we were on our way now, well stocked in all respects. And, um, well, the kind of a second or, well, we, we had many highlights, but the second big highlight after the hell was now the next destination, which um, was the Bavians Kluf. Yeah, I mean, we we had to change our plans again a little bit because we had a slight delay because of this mishap with a clutch lever. Originally, the idea was to go uh, down the Swartberg Pass and through the, I think it's called the Grundrefier Vallee towards um, Karlitzdorp and then do some remote dirt roads there in the area of Van Weeksdorp and then head towards the top of the Montague Pass down into George and then the seven passes road from there through the Neisner Forest and then up the Prince Albert or Alfred, I never know, pass to Uniondale. But we basically lost a day, but it didn't really matter because I think we still had a good time. It was nice to have a little break and take it easy. It was more or less in the middle of the week of our trip. Um, and, and you know, you have to leave something for, for another day. Otherwise, uh, if you do everything on one trip, then <laughs> where are you going to go to next time? <laughs> The Bavians Kluf has got such a big reputation, I think, <laughs> that uh, we were quite nervous. Maybe Joe, more so than. Yeah, you than know, me. Hugh, uh, definitely. I mean, now I had this other incident there, and I thought, well, 
we we fixed that 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 one bolt of the suspension was fixed, but you never know. You know, there are quite a few bolts in, in that suspension, and it had a reputation, Bavian's Clue, for also being a, a tough ride, and also, well, I'd heard from Hermann also about uh, some quite long stretches where you go through some water. And um, so, yeah, there was uh, excitement, a bit of apprehension as well, definitely. Yeah, for me, it was uh, Hermann had outdone himself again with 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 the accommodation, and uh, I was quite looking forward to to this accommodation, which was going to be in a cave. I was a bit concerned that it would be too rustic for these city people. <laughs> Um, but the cave had pretty much all the amenities that we needed. Uh, apart polished, from, polished floor. Uh, I know in the past, the first time I stayed there, it actually had a pink knitted toilet seat cover. <laughs> Not the toilet lid, the seat had a cover on it. But that was no longer there, thankfully. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Bavianskloof is a, is a very long valley i mean one can't really say it's one valley it's just a, a, a very remote area but in general it it follows the bavians river um, the western side of the valley has actually got quite a lot of farms and agriculture going on there but it's very scenic as you approach it from the well we were coming from derist but basically the closest town on the western side is Willowmore. um You you ride through quite a sort of a high-lying barren area. I mean, I wouldn't say it's boring. The views are still good. But then all of a sudden, you drop into a very narrow and tight valley, um, almost like a, a small scale of the Meeringsport, a little bit drier, I would say, from the vegetation point of view. But the road basically goes in the riverbed. And this is not a tarred road. It is a, a, a dirt road. So only a few places have got sort of concrete where... When it's very heavy rain, I'm assuming the the water would, would run over the road there. Yeah, and then we went to this, uh, eventually came to this uh, remote farm. I think <clears throat> Hermann told us one of the last farms in the valley before one entered the uh, Cape. Is it is it Cape Nature or is it Eastern Cape? Eastern Cape. E Eastern Cape, at least the, uh, the Provincial Nature Reserve. And... Um, Yeah, amazing. This is also the great thing traveling with Hermann. He knows places and he knows roads and he knows pieces, uh, people. Uh, and, and, and now he knew this old granny um, who was still staying on this farm um, and uh, where he had managed to uh, book a place for us in a cave next to, next to her farm. Uh, it was amazing, I must say. This was regarding accommodation. This was definitely the highlight, I would say, of our tour. Yeah, and I insisted that we um, record the first po part of this this podcast in the cave. Um, and I'm not going to see how that went, but uh, <laughs> the idea, I think, was very good. And we got the photo. Um, yeah, it was a wonderful experience. I'm quite nervous to think that Hermann has stayed in that cave on his own before. And, uh, yeah, I think... Uh, It was good being there, the three of us with our supplies, which we had. We had a, 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 a wonderful evening, I must say. Again, by the fireside uh, with great meat and uh, good company. Uh, what more do you want? Yeah. And I know, I know that I couldn't sleep very well at night. You could see the stars and... You were scared. I wasn't scared. <laughs> I was, my mind was spinning. I was in overdrive. <laughs> yeah, and then the, the, the baboons shouting and, mm. and echoing in the valley 
but uh, certainly a wonderful experience. But yeah. also being in that uh, in that kitchen of that old granny on that farm, it was it it uh, really took me back to my own granny's uh, kitchen, which is in Germany in a rural area. But somehow they had we have something similar. But um, it was fascinating. It was moving at the same time. Yeah, and that that cave is 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 not a very well known accommodation option in the in the Bavians Kloof. I think, uh, you know, if I tell people that I stayed in the caves in Bavianskloof, everybody says, oh, yes, in Makadat, which is a very well-known place. And I always say, no, no, it's not there. Um, so it's it's not very well advertised. Um, but this cave, it's an open cave, but deep enough that even in the rain, you, you don't get wet there. Uh, it, because it's in a very narrow uh, and deep gorge. So I would say the valley is maybe only about 10 meters wide or so and not no more than 10 meters and it's got vertical cliffs on both sides and quite interesting is uh, that one can walk up that valley for quite a long time and and it's pretty much the same all the way it doesn't really open up it's got these vertical cliffs uh, it's difficult to say how high 50 meters maybe 100 mm. i don't know on either side but uh, there's no water at the bottom unless i assume there's heavy rain and a flood um, but somewhere up that valley, uh, there must be a spring because that is where the farm gets the water from because there's a big pipe running all the way down it, down that, that, that deep gorge. And um, on, on a previous occasion, I had actually hiked up for about an hour from, from that cave in this very narrow gorge, but never managed to get to the end of that pipe. And uh, this time we asked the old lady, um, you know, how far is it? She says, oh, no, it is very, very far. She's only been there once in her life, and she was, uh, what did she say? She used some term in her young days or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but it, it would actually be quite nice to stay there a little bit longer, maybe two, three nights, and explore the area a little bit more, because not only that place, all of the Bavianskloof has actually got quite a lot of nice things to do and, and see, you know, lovely for walks, and there are other places where there are valleys with pools and, and, and things that one can swim in and so on. Yeah, but while riding through, I think, um, and Herman also um, commented on that, uh, it was uh, exceptionally dry. Uh, one could see that that area was still in the, in the grips of, uh, of a drought. Uh, even that uh, water and those uh, seemingly scary water passages which we had to go through, and the one was really, in a way, scary, uh, but they had less water than usual. Um, so it was dry and uh, remote. It had something really adventurous to drive through that area. You, you know, you were far away from, from anything. Um, I found it fascinating to, to, to ride in that kind of terrain. Yeah, and I mean, the next day when we, when we got into the actual nature reserve to get through and out into civilization again, I think it took five to six hours. Yes, yes, it was quite a long, quite a long ride, eh? Yeah, I mean that that part of that is Bavian's Kloof proper. There, once you get into the nature reserve area, it's it's like very remote. The road gets smaller and rougher as well, and um, you know water crossings. Uh, I think there are about three mountain passes within that stretch, but the whole thing feels like you're on a on a permanent mountain pass. Um, for a, a GS adventure bike rider, it is just a wonderful area, and I think it's it's at the top of the list of anyone who owns a motorbike like this. Um, it's almost like uh, it's it's the natural habitat of these types of motorbikes in in that area. There, they designed for that for that sort of riding that you get there. And it's really a sense of freedom that 
You know, well, I was by by this time I was confident my bike was going to make it. Uh, but then to have that kind of motorbike and to be able to travel freely in this kind of terrain, um, <clears throat> I otherwise don't have a four by four vehicle or any high uh, vehicle with a big ground clearance. So these kind of roads would have uh, not been on my list or I would have been very apprehensive to go. But with these kind of bikes, you feel comfortable uh, in most of these places. Obviously, there are some stages which are then, uh, they challenge you. But on the uh, most of it, it's just enjoyable to ride and the bike's made for this kind of uh, traveling and it's it's fun. And again, not to forget that this road was also built by Baines. So we had our obligatory um, stops for our little cap of whiskey. <laughs> once in a while once you leave uh, Bavian's Kloof you get into this intensive citrus farming area Pantensi which blew my mind it was like being in Stellenbosch except uh, with these big warehouses and trucks and everything except it was for citrus it was absolutely beautiful Yeah, the contrast couldn't have been more stark somehow. You know, coming up this, out of this wilderness, dirt roads, high mountain passes, dry, and then into these uh, high-tech citrus plantations, green uh, uh, watered irrigation schemes, and uh, it, it was a huge contrast. And if I'm not mistaken, this was the Groot Rafir again. Yeah, I think it's a few rivers that, that, that uh, are in that area. The Groot Rafir uh basically goes north of the Bavianskloof Berger. So we we in the Bavianskloof you don't actually go along the Khlutrafir, which is it's it's basically north of the of the chain of mountains. Um so it's the Bavianskloof Rafir, I think, which has got a big valley but is relatively small to the north, the Khlutrafir. Then you've also got the Kocha Rafir on the south and the Khamtuas Rafir. They all come together there somehow. Or perhaps it's called the Khamtuas Rafir after the confluence of these other rivers. I'm not quite sure. But uh, yeah, that whole area is called the Khamtuas Valley uh, Irrigation Area for uh, the way they do this intensive farming of citrus. And in Potency, there's two award-winning farm stores which you can't miss. I mean, we stopped in, in there and got some, some food and drink for the night. Hermann organized us a farm cottage And, uh, yeah, we had another braai. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that cottage was quite nice. Uh, it was, again, relatively late in the afternoon that we eventually got there. I mean, it, we weren't really pressed for time, but we just took it relatively easy. Um, but that cottage was, again, on a farm. I mean, somehow, it to me, it was nicer staying on a farm than in a town somewhere in most cases. Um, unfortunately, there was no water for us to shower, though. <laughs> <laughs> But they did have like a 20 liter of drinking water. But I mean, we were okay. And in any case, the next day you just get dirty again after half an hour. You won't even <laughs> notice that you hadn't showered. Yeah, fortunately for me, they filled up the tank and uh, the other two were already in their riding gear. So I could still have a shower in the, uh, the next morning. Um, and this was kind of the end of uh, the adventure tour, I thought until Hermann found another dirt road. <laughs> yes, my, my Google Maps search is not then. I had already a long time uh, seen this road and I always wanted to go on it. I think it is quite a popular route for the adventure riders coming out of PE, sort of for a day trip. 
It's called the Irlands River Valley, I think. Um, but we, uh, you go up that valley f- approaching from the Utenhag side, but we basically started from the other end, from Potensi, where in a very short tw- uh, distance of maybe a kilometer or so, you climb out of these um, citrus plantations onto the top of a, a ridge, and then it's just like complete wilderness. And very interesting, uh, it's a very scenic area. To the one side, you can look over all these uh, uh citrus plantations in the Khamtuas Valley which are very neat uh, to look at and the dark green leaves of the citrus trees and these but these massive covered uh, yeah. orchards mm. I think some of the orchards they cover with this white netting I, I can only assume it's maybe to protect some of their crop in case there's hail uh, there might be other reasons I'm not sure but that road climbs out of the valley very quickly and you are into this thick Eastern Cape Valley bush felt, um, which is like the thickest bush you can imagine. And it climbs further and further and suddenly the vegetation then changes to almost a Feinbos type of open vegetation, which is more like in the Western Cape. So this is sort of uh, probably the transitional area where the higher altitude places that are cooler probably have more of the vegetation of the Western Cape. Um, and it must also be sort of maybe in the transition area between the summer and, rain, and winter rainfall areas. I'm not quite sure. But uh, as you get up the hill, uh, the, the bush suddenly disappears and you have these wide open places with Feinbos type of vegetation and very, very far views in all directions. Um, and in the far distance, you can see the Coxcomb Mountains, um, uh, which to me just look amazing. I mean, I've always seen them from very far away going along the N2 from Port Elizabeth to Jeffreys Bay, and I always thought, like, one day I want to get closer to those mountains. Um, that road actually goes up quite a high altitude. It was, again, very windy up there and quite cold, but then eventually it, it sort of gradually drops down into the Irlands River Valley, and you get more and more agriculture. And uh, we stopped there at one of the first farms. Which was a <clears throat> little cheese farm, and... Uh it didn't really look like uh, she has had clients or customers in a long time. And I googled um, the name and it, it didn't even make <laughs> make it onto the internet. But anyway, we bought some cheese and we took it along to our stay in East London. Yeah, I think it was also quite an old farm. I seem to remember the date on the gable of the house. I think it said 1812 or something like that. So mm. it was a long time before... Um, any European settlers came here to, to KwaZulu-Natal. So they'd obviously settled that area inland from, from coming from Port Elizabeth or up from the Cape. Yeah, and I had set my Google Maps to avoid all freeways and fastways. And my, <laughs> my, my, my directions were kept telling me to go away from the N2, but um, by then we actually meant to go onto the N2. And... Uh, we we rushed along the N2 to get to our lunch spot, which was at um, Nananga, I think it's, how do you pronounce it? Yeah, I think Nananga. Is. Which is a famous uh, farm stall at the kind of Port Alfred Craddock off-ramp of the N2. Is it the N2? Yes, yeah, it's the way the N2, uh, yeah, the N2 goes straight on to Grahamstown or Makanda, I think it's called now. Mm. And, um, yeah, I think the it's the R72 that splits off there to Port Alfred and the N something or other goes north to Craddock. 
Um, we, we took the Port Alfred Road because uh, we just thought that would be the most scenic and nicest road to ride rather, on one, rather than on the bigger N2 through, through uh, Grahamstown. And I also know that after Grahamstown, as you go through, I think it's Peddy or one of those areas, it's, it's not so nice there to, to ride. But uh, that coastal route along uh, uh, past Alexandra to Port Alfred and then on to East London is, is very, very scenic uh, with all those lagoons and holiday resort towns and so on. Yeah, we passed through, uh, was it Port Alfred where you, you had also stayed for some time and uh, we had a beer there at the, was that the... The, the ski boat club. The ski boat club, exactly. Because the brewery was closed. Again. <laughs> yeah, the brewery that Holger wanted to see was closed on a Saturday at lunchtime. <laughs> so uh, I, I remembered um, often going to the ski boat club. I think this was in 18, not 18. <laughs> You're not that 19, old. <laughs> 1989, I think, that I spent a few months living there in Port Alfred, and we always used to frequent that ski boat club. I couldn't even, I still remembered exactly where it was, but I couldn't even remember exactly what the buildings looked like. But anyway, we pulled in there just for a quick refresher uh, before we hit the road again, uh, heading towards um, East London. And um, what was really strange was the temperature difference along the coast there. I mean, my bike has got a, a thermometer on it, so along the coast it was like about 22 degrees. And at some point, I think past the Fish River at Bira, the road turns inland, and um, within about 10 minutes and maybe 10 kilometers further inland uh, around the Kaiskama River Valley, the temperature was up to a maximum of 41 degrees, and it was really, really hot. I think uh, Joe's bike was getting a bit warm there. Yeah, that was uh, the last time my bike gave me a little shock on this, tra uh, uh, on this trip, because actually the temperature warning light went up. Um, that was while we were going up uh, after having gone down to that deep valley and with 41 degrees and then a long stretch going up and at relatively high speed it was a tar road and suddenly that temperature warning came on and I thought oh boy what's going to happen now so I just slowed down a little bit um, <clears throat> and but kept going and luckily uh, when we were on top and after a few kilometers it actually uh, went out again and so uh, that uh, crisis was passed. Yeah, and I was saying to Joe, why do you slow down? You should go faster so that your <laughs> engine can get more air, more wind for it to <laughs> cool down. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it wasn't really a problem. So, uh, And soon again, when we got closer to the coast near East London, the temperatures dropped again, I think, to mm -hmm. a very pleasant 24 or something. Yeah, and we had a very pleasant evening in East London and uh, with some friends and... The next morning, it was my turn to find a dirt road. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I knew that um, I wouldn't soon get another chance to visit the Kai River Marth and uh, to cross the river on a pond. So that was kind of the, the last adventure on our trip. Yeah, it was actually nice going on, on, on this small kind of ferry. Only two cars can go on it. We, we had a car and two bikes. And um, yeah, with a small small outboard motor, we were then ferried across uh, across the river. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that was quite interesting. All, all went well with the ferry. I mean, we didn't really expect any problems, but uh, it almost ended in disaster for Holger. 
Yeah, because uh, somehow my, my drone didn't want to follow the ferry <laughs> and, and I had to take the ferry back to go and fetch my drone because it wouldn't fly over the river. Um, yeah, so unfortunately I only got the footage of my of us going onto the ferry and then yeah the, the, the drone was left behind. So luckily it was still hanging in the air there when you got back, was it? <laughs> I could plug it down, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then from there it was the usual, the the dreaded trip through the trans sky, and well, first we had a, a dirt road going up, which was quite rough at places, until um, we got to the N two, um, which was behind. Which town was that? Butterworth. I think. Butterworth. Yeah. yeah, that's right, and. Um, but the road otherwise uh, is, 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 is well in, in a good shape. I think there were some roadworks on the way, but they didn't keep us uh, too long. Um, it's a good road. It wasn't uh, too busy, but uh, for bikes like ours, it's not the most interesting way to travel. Yeah, basically, uh, we then took the tar road back uh, right to uh, Durban. Most of the way it was there in two which we then uh, left uh, after behind Kokstad and uh, we took the route via, uh, well, near Richmond, Eston, and then joined the N3 uh, for the last stretch down to Durban. Famous last words. Well, uh, for me, this was uh, really a wonderful opportunity, I must say. It was a, a great combination of, on the one hand, traveling by motorbike, uh, which was a challenge for me a in a positive way. Then um, the beautiful landscape, seeing sides of South Africa, which I hadn't seen before, um, meeting interesting people on the, on the way, also people uh, of the accommodations we stayed, uh, we stayed in, and then traveling with uh, true great guys, uh, super company. We had... Um, uh, well, lots of uh, information we got from Herman, who's so knowledgeable about many of these places and their history. We had lots of fun, good banter, and um, uh, it was all in all just a, a great experience for me. Yeah, and I'm, I'm very, I was a bit nervous being able to keep up with the motorbikes, but in the end, uh, I think it worked out very well having, having to sweep. Yeah, I <laughs> having mean, we... nothing to sweep. <laughs> I mean, we, we never actually waited very long for you, Holger, because, uh, you know, biking as it is, you actually stop quite frequently. Not only to look at things on the side of the road, but you check this, check that, whatever. I don't know. I, I always like stopping looking at things. So I don't think we ever waited more than two, three minutes for you. In most cases, it was even less than that. And uh, you, you, you always caught up with us very quickly. And it was great to have you with us also, you know, as I said. It's quite different to ride with a bike that hasn't got all the gear and stuff tied to the back that you also worry about, especially if you haven't got proper panniers or boxes. Mm. And and it's it's a lot lighter. And I mean, I can also just in general repeat uh, what, what Joe said there about the trip. I mean, even though I had been on quite a few of these passes already, I always love going on these roads again. I just love a road trip. I like exploring. And I also saw quite a lot of places where I'd never been before, like the hell was always on my, my list to go down to the Kromkaskluf, known f about it f for, for you know, many years. I'd been over the Swartberg Pass, I don't know, probably five, six, seven times, but all of those times I just never had the time or opportunity to take that turn off down into, into the Kromkaskluf, 
Pavianskloof was just lovely as always. And then, you know, also these passes in the eastern, uh, far northeastern Cape, like Otto du Plessis, was new to me, totally surprised and impressed by it. As well as all those other, you know, off the beaten track dirt roads that, you know, don't really seem so special when you just look at them on the map, but they were all amazing. Yeah. And for me, it's all about encouraging you, the listener, to get on the road. If you don't have a bike, just get a car that's got a bit of clearance. It doesn't have to be a 4x4. Four, four four. Go and explore our beautiful country. And uh, hope you enjoyed this little story of our last 10 days. Thanks for joining us today. And in closing, a big thank you to Ingrid, Rosie and Brenda for looking after our homes while we were on this wonderful trip. And to you, the listener, thank you for joining us on our adventure. Cheers.